Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 2, Chapter 5, Text 42, Translation and Commentary by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Bhurlokaha Kalpitaha Padbhyam Bhuvarlokaha Asya Nabhitaha Svarlokaha Kalpitaha Murdna Iti Va Loka Kalpana Bhurloka Kalpita Padhyap. I'll say it again. Bhurloka Kalpita Padhyam. Bhuvarloka Syanabhitaha. Swarloka Kalpito Murdna. Iti Valoka Kalpana Bhurloka Kalpita Padipiham Bhuvarloka Syanabhitaha Swarloka Kalpito Murdna Ladies,
Bhurlokaha. The entire planetary system from Patala to the earthly planetary system. Kalpitaha. Imagined. Padbhyam. Situated on the legs. Bhuvarlokaha. The Bhuvarloka planetary system. Asya of the universal form of the Lord. Nabhitaha out of the navel in the abdomen. Swarlokaha the higher planetary system beginning with the heavenly planets. Kalpitaha Imagined. Murdhna from the chest to the head. Iti. Thus. Va. Either. Loka. The planetary systems. Kalpana. Imagination. Others may divide the whole planetary system into three divisions, namely the lower planetary systems on the legs up to the earth. The middle planetary systems on the navel and the upper planetary systems, Swaraloka, from the chest to the head of the Supreme Personality, Purport. The three divisions of the complete planetary systems are here mentioned. Fourteen are imagined by others and that is also explained. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the second canto, fifth chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled the cause of all causes. Om Jnana Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Nama Shreshtam Manumapi Shachiputram Atrasvarupam Rupam Tasyagajamurupurim Maturim Goshtavartim Radha Kundam Girivaramaho Radhika Matavasham Prapto Yasya Pratita Kripaya Shri Guruntam Natosmi Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Ataf Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sadvaitam Savadhutang Parijana Sahitam Krishna Tetanda Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sagana Ramita Shishaka Guru Vaishnav Bhagavan Tina Smarane Hoi Bignabinashan Anayashi Hoi Nijavan Chita Puran Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Imagination is mentioned here. It doesn't mean that the planetary systems don't exist or that there, and there are no divisions between them. The division, exactly where it begins and it ends, may be arbitrary, just like we see. Where does Asia begin and Europe end? What's the answer? Anyone from Russia here? 
No, it's said to be at the Ural Mountains. Hmm? Well, you can call it Eurasia also. Europe's a peninsula sticking off of Asia, actually. Uh, but you could draw the boundary anywhere. Where, where's the division between Georgia and Tennessee? Is there any geographical division? I see on the map of America many of the, many of the state boundaries they're just straight lines. There's no geographical division. So it's, it's arbitrarily assigned, that's all. The Mukman line, you know about that? The Mukman line, in between China and India, was never accepted by the Chinese and the uh, fighting is going on till today because the Chinese claim that this is our land and the Indians claim it's our land. So these things are going on. <laughs> uh, the universal form of the Lord can be considered imaginary in as much as it's the, the, the planetary systems are mapped onto the form of the Lord. It's, it's seen as the form of the Lord. For those who meditate, that this is the, these are the feet, these are the ankles, these are the calves, these are the knees, these are the thighs. It's one way of starting to meditate on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yesterday I said this has to be accepted with faith. I was talking about the descriptions of the uh, cosmology, which we find in detail, in the, or some detail. Actually, actually, it's an overview in the fifth canto. We have to accept it on faith. You may say, well, that's just blind faith. Not exactly. Uh, blind, yeah, blind in the sense that we don't see it. But then what do the scientists see? A little, a little corner of somewhere. <laughs> something, somewhere. We accept it because we have to put our faith in something. Everyone has faith. Everyone has faith, Krishna says. Everyone is, is made of faith. And according to our faith, that is who we are. That defines who we are. In this context of the beginning of the 17th chapter of Bhagavad Gita where Krishna talks about faith. I see that in, in modern psychological concepts as worldview. We all have a certain way of seeing the world. <clears throat> Definitely, if anyone is a little thoughtful, they can see that the general worldview of people in general, is uh, much lacking. It's not right. It, you just live and try and enjoy yourself and then you die. So we have knowledge from the Vedic scriptures, which we receive via Srila Prabhupada. Very uh, convi convincing knowledge. 
of the nature of the soul, the distinction between spirit and matter. And we can put that in practice and find that it works. Susukam kartam avyayam. We enter the platform of eternity, the happy platform. So we put our faith in uh, actually, for the f the first members or, or the first Krishna devotees in the Western world under Srila Prabhupada's tutelage, they put their faith in Srila Prabhupada. They didn't know any anything about the Vedas or the Vaishnav tradition. It, it was their faith was wholly based on Srila Prabhupada. But then he taught them, "Don't just accept me. You have to accept me because I am speaking." the message which Krishna spoke. He didn't claim that you should just accept me because here I am, folks. But he said, I, I come as a representative of a great tradition and of the Vedic knowledge. Guru, Sadhu and Shastra. The center is Shastra. So we, we should have faith in that. Of course, Shastra has to be explained by sadhus and by gurus. <clears throat> so the, the, the first members had faith in Srila Prabhupada by his manifest spirituality. And he taught them to have faith in the in the Vedic knowledge. Uh, yeah, we have to put, either we put faith in the scientists whose opinions are always changed. Even now, <laughs> some years ago, I've mentioned this many times, I saw in a magazine that astrophysicists have, uh, among astrophysicists, there are about 2,000 theories about the origins of the cosmos. And then I thought, well, there can't be many more than 2,000 astrophysicists in the world. And I mentioned, so I mentioned this to one devotee who's an astrophysicist by training. And she said that, uh, yeah, and so, says, I said, seems they all have different opinions. And she said, yeah, some of them have more than one opinion. Oh. <laughs> more than one theory. <clears throat> Whereas the Vedic knowledge, even you see that there are different darshans within the Vedic culture different philosophies, but they all accept the descriptions of the, they all accept Vedic cosmology. And actually, even Buddha, although he rejected the Vedas, but he didn't, he rejected the parts of the Vedas he didn't like, but he never challenged Vedic cosmology or, this, or the theory of karma and reincarnation. And that's why up to the present day within traditional Buddhism, they believe in Brahma, Indra, and Yamaraj, and punishments in hell. It's, 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 the, it's the Puranic cosmology which they accept on faith. And now we have Adhyakshikavadis, what we believe what we can see. That's already rejected long ago. It's it's nothing new. Charvak is an adhakshavadi. We're we're looking at adhokshaja. That 
that which is beyond the per sense perception. But they are interested in, we only believe what we can see. But that's based on faith also. Someone may say, I don't believe anything. Well, there has to be a concept of something to say that. You have to say, I don't believe you. To say, I don't believe anything, you have to accept that I am an entity, am that I exist. And there, there's a state of believing, which is another, requires something to, to accept. And there, there's a positive to believe and disbelieve, and that there is anything to not believe in. And you also have, if you say it, you also have to believe that there's someone who you're communicating that to, who understands what you're saying. And you also have to believe that it's worth saying it. So you believe so many things just to say, I don't believe anything. <laughs> faith. So faith, uh, there's re whatever faith we have, there's reasonable faith. And if you say, well, I want proof. Well, you, I want proof there's God. But even if God came in front of you, you still won't believe him. And we saw that with Duryodhana. He didn't believe that Krishna was God, even though he, Krishna manifested mul multiple forms in front of him. He couldn't. Ca he wanted to tie up Krishna and capture Krishna, and Krishna showed it's not possible. He's he's everywhere. You want to tie me up? Okay, tie me up. And he tie, and he's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. And Krishna thought it's just another. Ma it's some magical trick. There are so many magicians. He wouldn't accept. So here we come to psychology, what is the nature of psychology, philosophy, the nature of perception, the nature of proof, what is real, what is truth. You can go round and round in circles or you can accept the Vedic knowledge as delivered by someone who is clearly in contact with the truth. And whatever it is that we believe, we're going to come to some state where things just don't seem to make any sense. There's going to be some inconceivability. Just like the, uh, the, the hard-headed skeptics about the, the existence of God. They believe in Big Bang Theory. Just give us one miracle and we'll fill in the rest. Big Bang is some miracle, right? Or the, the solid state theory, well, the universe is just here, it's always been here, but then why? Why? Uh, you, you can throw out any inconceivability by just saying, well, it is because it is, and that's it, the anthropic principle. Everything's here because it's here. And the proof, the proof that it's here is that it's here. This is... The anthropic principle. It must, be, it must be like the way it is because that's the way it is. <laughs> Dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. I'm going to veer off the topic here a bit. And, and Brahma is speaking to Narada, the, the first two gurus in our sampradaya. Well, Krishna is the first. Krishnam Vande Jagat Gurum. 
Brahma is different to Narada, he's the disciple, but he's a very different personality. Brahma is a, Brahma is a peacemaker, tries to make peace. <coughs> it doesn't always work. He, he made peace when Hiranyakashipu was causing so much chaos in the universe. Brahma gave him his desired boon, so for a short time, the immediate danger was cleared, but uh, then another kind of danger was created by Hiranyakashipu. But Narad, uh, sometimes that word is used in Indian languages for someone who goes around and stirs up trouble. <laughs> Troublemaker. For instance, it was Narada who revealed to Krishna, sorry, revealed to Kangsa, that it's Krishna who's out to, he's the one who's going to kill you. It's Vasudev and, well, Vasudev, he, he misled you. That child, the eighth child you saw, a female, that's not the one who's destined to kill you. It's Krishna, actually. So Kangsa was immediately ready to kill Vasudeva and Narad pacified him. And we learn that Narad did that because he wanted to expedite Krishna's pastimes. Because Krishna came to uh, uplift the devotees and destroy the demons. And he was only destroying the demons that were sent to Vrindavan, but there were many more demons. And he had to come out of Vrindavan to do that, so uh, Kangsa immediately arranged for Krishna to come out of Vrindavan. But it might seem that Narad was acting like a demon. Why did he tell that? He revealed the state secret, treason. You could look at it like that. Is Narad a devotee or a demon? Well, of course, we all accept him as a devotee, but it might appear at the time, it might have appeared to the devotees that he was acting as a demon. Why is he doing that? Now, Kangsa's going to call Krishna. The gopis weren't happy, that's for sure. They didn't know about Narada saying that, but uh, they weren't happy at all. I, I'm raising this topic because yesterday I was asked... Uh, important question that sometimes we see devotees who say demoniac things or they subscribe to demoniac philosophies and he gave an example of a female devotee who was standing at the back in the temple and then a young devotee and a senior devotee chastised her and said, go and stand at the front. We've been fighting for so many years to stand at the front. Now you should go and stand at the front for the right to stand at the front. Well, she didn't think maybe the younger devotee has a right to stand at the back if she wants. But uh, this is subscribing to a feministic theory which we learn from Srila Prabhupada's purport to pravritting cha, nivritting cha. The idea that, that women should be independent and have the same rights as men is demoniac. 
So that he gave us one example. He gave another an example of some devotees he had heard say that such and such a leader of ISKCON here in America is a demon because he lies, he manipulates, he does politics, he spreads rumors, he seems to be more interested in money than anything else. Is it right to call him a demon? I also heard yesterday that some of the big leaders in America of ISKCON are very rich. Although when I made further query, I couldn't find, but then I thought of one actually who became very rich by money which is, is accumulated like that. And definitely there are, so it might seem that they're acting in a demoniac way. Of course the word demon is a very heavy word. Demon means someone who hates Krishna. And we're talking about people, should I say devotee? Well, they chant Hare Krishna, they worship Srila Prabhupada. And in their own mind, they're very sincere about what they're doing, although in others' minds, they may see them as demons. And we hear about demons in the guise of devotees. Putana came as a, as a great well-wisher of Krishna. She was a demoness. <laughs> she had a different motive. So are, there, are such people demons or devotees? Or is it right to call them demons? Well, we learn in Bhagavad Gita, Dvo Bhuto Sarge Loke Svindaiva Asura Evacha. There are two kinds of people in the world, devotees and demons. There's nothing in between. Well, Krishna does give something in between. Well, we find in the Bhagavatam, Ishvare Tadadhine Shu, Balishe Shu Vishatsucha. There are four kinds of beings. There's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the devotees, the demons, although the, the words aren't used exactly here, uh, and the innocent people. So no one's completely good and no one's completely bad. Krishna says, when he was discussing about Duryodhana, in this world no one is completely good, and no one is completely bad. Of course, devotees, they're completely good. Yes, yasti bhaktiya bhagavatya kinchana savai gurnais tatra samasati suraha harava bhaktasya kato mahangraha manoratena siti dhavata obehi. Those who are fully dedicated to the personality of Godhead. They have all godly qualities and those who are not devotees of the Supreme Lord, even though they may have good qualities, they're not considered proper qualities at all. They're, they're not mahanguna. They're not fully developed qualities. Uh, we also learn from Bhagavad Gita, <coughs> from Krishna's instruction, that even if a devotee is bad, he's good. And a very much disliked verse at the present time within our society because uh, some devotee, suduracha means really, really, really bad. 
and some devotees, there, there may be a competition to see who can prove this verse of Bhagavad Gita best by doing, by doing the worst activities, uh, which are not very much appreciated. Within Vaishnava society, and there's a lot of condemnation. Srila Prabhupada said we should try to see unity and diversity. That devotees, they're different, they have different approach approaches. We should see or try to establish uni- unity rather, rather than exacerbating the, the diverseness. But at the present time in Vaishnav society, there's a lot of condemnation uh, of pretty much everyone gets condemned by someone. (laughs) Whatever you do, someone will criticize. And if you don't do anything, someone will criticize. He's not doing anything. See, he's just not doing anything. So better try and do something for Krishna. And be sure someone is going to criticize you for that. But some of the things said are extremely heavy and it seems that there are some devotees whose main pleasure in life is, uh, especially on the internet, because no one can shoot back at you. Uh, They can typing-wise, but uh, who can be mirror-mirror on the wall? Who is the heaviest of them all? It's... uh, well, yeah, mirror. Look in the mirror. That's a good idea. Who's the nastiest? It doesn't really seem very Vaishnava to uh, use the strongest possible terms in condemning Vaishnavas. Or you may, well, they're not Vaishnavas. They're not Vaishnavas. It was, it was quoted that once Srila Prabhupada said about Tamal Krishna Goswami. Someone quoted that Prabhupada said about him, he's not a Vaishnava. Prabhupada might have said that about him. He might have said that because Prabhupada said very heavy things. But does that cancel out the, the, the years of service and the fact that Prabhupada accepted him at the end? And you take this, take one quote and that's definitive. Which he, we, we, we only have one person's record that he ever said that anyway. So, actually, uh, just in case we all forget, the purpose of this Krishna Conscious Movement is to develop love for Krishna. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we can have it as a bonus. We love Krishna and hate Vaishnavas. It's like you have the best of both worlds, right? Because there's a special ras in hating Vaishnavas. Uh, Is there? I don't know. it seems that those that there are certain persons who are more into hating Vaishnavas, they're more into cultivating that than they are into developing love of Krishna. Certainly there are anomalies, there are demoniac traits. After all, we're all in this material world because we turned away from Krishna. So... Practically, we're all demons down here. And some of us are looking up. Everyone is in the gutter, but some are looking up at the stars. Uh, 
So what do we do? When we say one thing we can see those whose whose whole life is is based on seeing the faults of others they they're more into hating than loving well i can speak for myself i i really don't want to get too close to them because this material world is one of hatred icha dvesha samutena it's one of desire and hatred it it doesn't nourish our love for krishna we should see that there are wrong things going on in vaishnava society we we can't say and we can there will never be a time in this material world where everything is completely perfect and even in vaishnava society what are we doing we're dealing with ourselves and others who come from a background of non-krishna consciousness and it does it just doesn't happen overnight that we become purified so there there are always going to be uh the the lower tendencies uh and it is it, it it can be artificial also just to try to see the good qualities only that's for the topmost devotees but then you can't preach and it's difficult to make proper advancement because if you see everything is good when it's not good then you're going to be victimized and we see so many examples i was just writing about that yesterday that we have we 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 go through the chaitanya charitamrita adi lila madhya lila and we get to the antya lila and then we're really getting to the essence here although it's already been there we have we have the uh prior to that we have entrance into radha krishna lila through chaitanya mahaprabhu but the antilila is really the time which was not reported by vrindavan das thakur when chaitanya mahaprabhu more and more in puri enters into his internal mood the internal reason for which he came to relish the feelings of radha for krishna and and it starts off with with rupa goswami meeting chaitanya mahaprabhu uh reciting his poetry reciting the glories of the holy name revealing to all the vaishnavas chaitanya mahaprabhu's inner feelings as radharani pining in separation from krishna as the first chapter of the antilila oh, here we go but then in this in the second chapter there are th- of antilila there are three narrations the first one is of nakul brahmachari being uh, directly empowered by chaitanya mahaprabhu to give love of god and then the next one is bhagavan acharya who's a personal associate of chaitanya mahaprabhu being chastised for his predilection toward mayavad <laughs> for which he gets chastised by sarudamada not so much predilection toward mayavad but his toying with it because bhagwan acharya's brother had become an expert in explaining mayavad uh and then and then we get the heaviest narration in all of chaitanya charitamrita where chota haridas is banned from chaitanya mahaprabhu's company and after before 
nothing, actually did nothing, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to teach a lesson through him uh, of, of not those who are renunciants should have no attraction to women and should not cultivate any lusty feelings. And Chota Haridas was completely banned from the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with no coming back. Finished. So it's very, very heavy. So immediately we have the first chapter taking us, okay, here we go. What uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself said, that, that uh, what Ramananda Rai taught to me again is uh, Rupa Goswami is developing that. So we have that and then in the second chapter we were warned, okay, you, we're right there, we're getting, but you can be right next to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and get misled by Mayavad or by even a tinge of lust. So be careful. That's the lesson I draw from that. Be careful. What do we do with someone who wants to speak all bad things to us about Vaishnavas? Or, or we just don't see as very good company? Well, we have again from Chaitanya Charitamrita the narration of the great devotee Vallabha Bhatta, although he's not portrayed as such in Chaitanya Charitamrita. <laughs> but, uh, who uh, wanted to show his learning in the company of Chaitanya Mahabharu and his devotees, but Chaitanya Mahabharu every time in just one or two words would just shut him up. <laughs> uh, so Bhatta went to Gadadha Pandit, whose nature was very soft, and what Bhatta wanted to say in front of everyone, but he couldn't say in front of everyone because they just shut him up was uh, he would say in front of Gadadha Pandit. And then all the devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they, they shunned Gadadha. What are you hanging out with this Vala Bhatta for? So Gadadha never got moved by Vala Bhatta's rentings or whatever you want to call it. But uh, he was just to be polite to him. He listened to him. What do you do? Should you be polite if someone wants to come up to you and say, well, actually, blah, 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 and then just non-stop telling about all so many bad things that people are doing. And, and you can understand that they're, they're not doing it in a, in a constructive way, in a manner that's going to... that Okay, now we can see there's a problem here. We should be careful of that and not be victimized by that. It's just like, oh, this one's bad, that one's bad, this one's bad, that one's bad. What should we do? We have an idea from Bhaktivinoda Thakur uh, who says, Vaishnava Charitra Sharvada Pavitra. The character of Vaishnava is always pure. You may say, well, not everyone's character is pure, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur is saying like that. Jainindai Hingshakari. Whoever criticizes out of a spirit of malice, that's the point. Whoever maliciously criticizes, Bhaktivinod says, Bhaktivinod nashambhashetare. I don't talk with them. We don't converse with them. You may say, Haribo, how are you? 
We don't converse with them. And takesha da mona dhari. They want to talk to me? Just keep quiet. That's all. That's Bhaktivinoda's approach. Bhaktivinoda's approach was to, if I put it up there, Bhaktivinoda, uh, Bhaktivinoda Saraswati's uh, approach was much more combative. He, uh, he wanted to, you see now you're putting it up there, no one's listening, everyone's reading this. Bhaktisthanda's approach was much more combative. He he really uh, took up issues with him. He's very strong, no doubt. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur also, in another of his songs, talking about the different philosophers, Gautam, Karad, Patanjali, all these, he says, I, I offer my obeisance from a distance. So that's, that's a standard uh, saying in Vedic culture that we respect you, but we respect from a distance. That's all. Just keep your distance. So are they demons or are they not? Uh, let Krishna, let Krishna see. Let us, uh, let us execute our mission peacefully. Prabhupada, his tendency was to accept whoever wanted to serve. He d he did not accept when devotees simply wanted to find fault maliciously, but he want he wanted to encourage everyone in service. And again, does that mean we have to accept everyone on their own conditions? No. We don't have to. Well, that, that's why, as I said, Srila Prabhupada established ISKCON. He wanted to establish a, a group of brahmanas who could show by example the highest standard. And then that, that means within our temples we should have devotees who are following very strictly. And who are pure-hearted. They're not there for the, the, to get money or to get name or fame or position. They're there to be pure devotees. That's it. So that's, and then others can look up to them, but not everyone may be at that standard. So at least the inner core should be pure devotees. Pure devotees in the sense that not everyone's going to be pure overnight, but they should be living according to the Anyabhilashita-shunya principle. We're only, the, the principle that we're only here to serve for the sake of serving Krishna and the Vaishnavas. We're not here for any personal motive. <clears throat> so it's a very confusing time in the, in the world in general and in the Vaishnava world it can be very confusing with so many ideas going around on so many different issues and people condemning each other left, right, and, and some things should be condemned. We can't say that everything is good, but it's not our purpose to, I, I, to simply go around condemning. Our, our purpose is Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam, not 
we don't find in that list Vaishnav Nindanam or even anyone Nindanam. Uh, it's not the idea is not simply to condemn. Uh, we can try and discuss as far as possible. Uh, but Jiva Goswami writes of persons who are devotees, but they are not on the right track, and he uses the word achikitsya, which means there, there's nothing you can do. You can't then. The, just like in medical treatment, there's some some you just write them off. They're yeah, they're incurable. There's nothing you can do. So, if they're like that, oh, all right, you be like that, and we'll be like this, and you say what you like, you do what you like, and we'll go on doing what we know to be right. And they may say the same thing about us. And that's why I say ult ultimate judge is Krishna. But we do have standards. It's not that everything everyone says, does or thinks is right. There are standards. There is Shastra. There is, there is Guru and Sadhus. Hare Krishna. I'll finish there. All glories to His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. There could be many questions about this, but I'm just speaking on general principles here. Hare Krishna. Vancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhubhyavacha patitanam bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo namo namaha dante nitaya churnakam padeyo nepatya kridvacha kakushata Hey, Sadhava Sakala, Yadurat, Goranga Chandra Chandra, Parivada Tujano, Yatata Tavana, Hare Rasa Padeva, Matati Pita, Hare Krishna.